Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Amanda Madrowski is a private practitioner in Toledo, Ohio, who started her private practice at what most people would think was a bad time. She already had a full-time job, a toddler, was pregnant, house hunting, and had a needy dog too. But rather than let those things stop her, she joined the Start Your Private Practice program and started building a private practice so that she could spend more time with her family. A mentor of mine once said, you can either let your kids be the excuse or the reason. And Amanda is a great example of someone who started her private practice, put herself out there, and is now on my mentor team, helping other students just like you get started. One of Amanda's favorite things to help our students with is marketing, which she shares some pretty incredible marketing strategies on the episode that you're about to listen to. So if putting yourself out there is something that you're worried about, make sure that you listen to the whole episode for some great tips and strategies. If you have a lot of things going on in your life and you need to hear that it is possible to start a private practice, even with a lot of distractions, this episode is for you. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yeah, my name is Amanda Madrowski. I am a speech-language pathologist, and I am a private practice owner in Toledo, Ohio, called Enhancing Communication. And Amanda is, first of all, Amanda and I have gotten to know each other over the years. First, she was a member of my Start Your Private Practice program, and then she was, you know, so eager and did such good work. And also then started helping some of our other members that she then became a mentor for the program because she was, you know, so, you know, giving to those who were coming up behind her. And she even does the welcome calls for our brand new students. So as you're listening to Amanda's interview, know that if you end up joining the program, you'll also get to know Amanda as one of the mentors. So before we kind of learn more about your practice and where you are now, 
Can we go back to the er, your early days as a speech pathologist and maybe what kind of, you know, either settings or jobs or whatever? And at what point did you start thinking about private practice? Yeah, um, I've kind of been everywhere. I started out the gate in a skilled nursing facility. And then I switched to a nonprofit, which was kind of like an outpatient. And we had some charter school contracts. Um, and then I realized I kind of I kind of like the school year. So I kind of went into the school, the public school system after that. And that's where I spent most of my time for about six years recently was in a public school system. Of course, with that, you get sometimes very large caseloads. There is a lot of paperwork. A lot of the meetings don't really apply to us, it seems like, in the school systems or the professional development days. So that was sometimes frustrating. But yeah, I just, as the years went on, um, my certain environment that I was in was it was a to- toxic work environment. So um, I was kind of getting stressed out and tired from all of that. Um, I wasn't really looking forward to work. So I was kind of looking into things on the internet and I found your program. And I kind of talked things over with my husband and he's like, well, what, what's the worst that could happen? Like, what would it hurt to look into it? Um, because he's always been kind of a little bit of a business mind. So I think it was in 2018, I got the program. And while I was working full time in the school, um, we were also house shopping. I had a toddler a dog, so another four-legged child. And I was actually pregnant with my second. Um, But I would find time after my work days or even on the weekend that I would try to work through the modules. Um, And so by 2019, after I delivered my second second child, my son, I was actually official by May. Um, So I didn't really dive into it at that point in time. So I did finish one more year in the school system. But by the end of that school year, I was I was just too excited, too eager. And my husband and I talked and he said, just do it. I know that we talk about, you know, adding a few clients here on the side here and there. But my husband could just see how miserable I was in my current um, work situation. And he's like, I think you'll be fantastic at this. Just do it. So he's always been a big support for me and um, let me kind of dive into it. So that summer of 2020, after COVID and everything else had already happened for most of that school year, I started my private practice full time. I love it. I love seeing that progression too, right? From even from like the early days of your career, right? It's like you you went you were in a couple different kind of settings. And then, you know, the toxic environment thing is something that is is a problem for a lot of SLPs, right? We find ourselves mm-hmm. often in environments where either, you know, it could be a couple different things, right? It could be coworkers, it could be bosses, it could be administrators, it could be, you know, the entire system, right? Most people love the kids or the adults that they work with, but they often feel like they can't either help enough because they've got too many people on their caseloads to see or or other kinds of limitations, right? And so that kind of is when people start thinking like, wow, I can't keep doing this, right? This is not working for me. It's not working for the clients, for the kids. So anyway, so it's a familiar story to be thinking about private practice and how great that you, you know, have a supportive partner who can, who was able to be like, look, Amanda, I think you're going to be great at this. Like, do it because listeners, I hear this all the time where the the SLP is like, I don't know, like maybe I could do it. And the spouse is like, go for it. Like you're miserable at your job. And a lot of times other people can see things in us that we can't, you know, see in ourselves. So awesome that you were able 
to have that. So, and I also want to say one thing real quick. I feel like I'm like monopolizing the conversation here, but <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> but I also really like that you said all of the things that you were doing while you were getting your ducks in a row to get your practice up and running, right? I mean, like pregnant, has a toddler, house shopping, working full time and a dog that, and, you know, probably you wanted to have dinner with your husband every now and then. Right. So it's like that, that's kind of a lot, but it was doable for you. Right. Like you were able to do it because you probably just did like a little bit at a time. Right. And you got everything set up. Yep. I'd prop up my feet with my slightly swollen ankles and have my laptop on my lap. Well, wherever lap I had left, um, and yeah, I would just like, I'd set a goal, like, all right, I'm going to do the first, you know, section of module one. And I'd be like taking notes or after I'd watch it, I'd do all the paperwork. So like the, you know, brainstorming or doing those, um, you know, checklist things that you had, which was fantastic. Cause I, I like my checklists. <laughs> um, and my husband, you know, helped me, I think we used zoom to just get all of the official stuff set up, you know, um, but yeah, I did. I kind of set my own little to-do list just to make sure I kept taking those steps forward because um, I didn't want that fear to hold me back. And just kind of looking forward to being able to work with the clients the way I knew would work best, not having those restrictions or limitations or trying to cram as many kids into a group as possible. So looking forward to that was a huge motivation for me. Yeah. I love that. So in the early days of your practice, would you say that you were more of a generalist or more of a specialist? Like what kinds of clients did you see when you first got started? Yeah, I definitely started very much as a generalist. Um, I, you know, called private schools, I called daycares and preschools and anyone who might have a potential, you know, young child, I decided to work more with, you know, pediatrics versus adults. Um, cause I had the most experience and I liked seeing like the the big progress you can make even in a short amount of time and having two kids of my own, I'm like, Oh, I can borrow some of our toys too. And, kind of, you know, use what I had on hand, you know, which was also why I decided to go in home because I didn't um, have the financial, you know, uh, means at that point in time to have a brick and mortar. And I actually told myself way back in the beginning of my, my career, I'm like, Oh, I'm never going to be a traveling therapist. <laughs> And yet here I am the summer after I basically, you know, resigned or retired, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Here I am, you know, loading up my trunk with my stuff and traveling to clients' homes. But I just met the most amazing families doing it that summer even. And into the fall, I started picking up a few more here and there. And it's odd because they, it just seemed like we were just the perfect mix. Like We found each other at the right point in time. And since I am all private pay, even right now, um, I know there was that fear of like, you know, people want to use their insurances. No one's going to want to use my private pay or not for very long, maybe. But yeah, just the right people found me at the right time and it's it's been working. So don't let that fear of not maybe going into insurances stop you from you know moving forward as well. Yeah. And one of the things that I know about you is that you've gotten creative about how families can pay for your services. Can you share a little bit about how you and others can be private pay, but where the families aren't exactly paying just private pay? Yeah. So of course I take everything from cash check and credit card and stuff. My credit card processor even lets my families use HSA and FSA. Um, so they're like, oh, great. We have a huge you know, chunk of money that we never used, you know, so that sometimes is a is a selling point. Um, I'll let people know that make sure you're a medical 
um, service listed on there because your startup is miscellaneous and they just deny you. You can't charge them. So that's a little nugget out there for, for all those who might look into that. I also have one family who's using a local nonprofit scholarship. Um, it's an autism scholarship. So they basically apply themselves to this scholarship program. They're awarded so much money and that money can be used for my services. So they don't have to pay anything out of their own pocket. They're using those funds. Um, and then in the past year or so, I've learned that at least in Ohio, there's a scholarship called the John Peterson Special Needs Scholarship. And that is just like state funding available for like private school kids, students, um, homeschooled students, and anyone who basically has uh, an ETR or an and an IEP, they can tap into those funds. So for me, I apply to be a provider for speech therapy services. So anyone in a private school or homeschooled could apply with me to tap into those funds and pay for my services that way. So that's another way. So there might be different names of scholarships out there in different states or different nonprofits that might be out there. So it doesn't hurt to kind of ask around or even ask those families in your area, you know, do you know of any resources that are available that, you know, families can tap into? Because sometimes you you don't know until you kind of meet those just the right families to share that information. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you also, I want to talk about marketing next, but weren't you also kind of letting people know about this John Peterson scholarship so that they could take advantage of it? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of basically education, just like how us SLPs have to educate and what all we can do. So a lot of the schools in the area, the private schools, um, I'd send out emails. I even made a cool little video and I've actually met the director um, for our area for the um the Ed Choice is what it's called. And um, so we made the video just to kind of educate them on what it is and how I can help their students, their families. And so a lot of them are like, oh, no, thanks. We're not a provider. I'm like, no, but I'm going to be the provider. Like, I'm going to be there to service your students because a lot of the schools, they might have like an intervention specialist providing academic support, but they might not have a speech therapist there um, or they might not have anything at all because those private schools aren't mandated to provide those special services, those um, like academic uh, services as well. So, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of education. And so I, I, it's still, you know, a work in progress just because it takes time. They need to keep hearing it over and over and over again. So I send out emails or make a phone call every once in a while just to, you know, let them know, hey, you know, don't forget I'm here. This is what's available to your families. So it's definitely a great, a great free funding out there for those kids. Yeah. So listeners, like you can get creative about how your families pay you. And what Amanda said, I think is great is that she, you know, taught the families or taught the schools rather, I guess, you know, a creative way to get paid, right? Super bills is another thing that not every family knows about. Do you do the super bills? Yeah, I do those as well. Yep. So usually when we're doing like the initial phone call, like I'll discuss all these options um, because now I ask like, are you homeschooled? Are you private school? Are you public school? Because that helps kind of narrow down the different options for them to pay. Yeah, super bills are great. Obviously, some insurances or what their benefits cover, you know, vary. So it's it and it doesn't hurt for them to go seek out and see, hey, you know, here's this provider. What kind of coverage do I have for this? So um, it's kind of nice because it's a lot more of the the parent kind of taking over that piece, but it's a pretty simple thing just to fill it out. Like here's the services we did, um, here's the total amount that they spent, and have the parents kind of go through that process. So yeah, I provide those as well. So perfect. So again. 
you know, if uh, there are a lot of people who think, well, I want to be private pay, but I don't know if my area will support that. You know, it could be that, you know, people are paying just themselves out of pocket. But what Amanda is telling us, right, is that you can have lots of different ways that families can afford your services, even if you think that perhaps they can't, right? That may not be the roadblock that you think it is. So yeah. one of the other things that I know about you, Amanda, is that you you really like marketing and you have some really good ideas about how to market your services. And this is something our listeners always want to hear about is, you know, how do you get your clients and what kind of marketing strategies are you using? So would you mind sharing a couple of things that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. The, the one that was pretty successful in the middle of COVID <laughs> um, when I was first trying to get the word out about my private practice and my services is I actually made really kind of inexpensive marketing folders. So the first thing I did, though, was I made a spreadsheet. You know, I did that in Excel. Really simple, just listed the name of each daycare and preschool, you know, the address, the contact information. And if I could know a name of like the director, I'd kind of note that too. So I knew who kind of asked for it. So I figured out a goal of like, all right, I'm going to go see five today or drive around and do 10. So I kind of map them out. So I would be using my time wisely. So I'm not driving across different, you know, cities in the area. And so I made my folders. It had like my private practice name with just the easy printable stickers I slapped on top. And then on the inside, I had flyers explaining, you know, how I could help support students with their IEP goals, like like during the school year. Um, At that point, I wasn't a John Peterson provider. So that wasn't in there, but that would be obviously a great thing to add in there. Um, I talked about just the basic services. I had a little, you know, brochure that I made. And I even had screening permission forms, like blank ones that they could fill in the name of the preschool or daycare, and even what day and time they might schedule it in the future. So they could reach out to me and be like, hey, can you come this day in between these hours? Sure. And they'd have those already available in the folder to pass out to parents. So that worked so well that I had 34 <laughs> from one preschool. They call me and they're like, hey, we have 34 signed for you. I'm like, oh, wow. Can you get that done in like a day? I'm like, no, that's going to take a couple. <laughs> so you might be pleasantly surprised. So that actually did result in a lot of, because I offered free screenings at this point in time just to get out there, you know. Um, I still thought that was time well spent to get my name out there, to build those connections, those relationships. So they got to see my face or most of my face with my mask. So on, I found a cool clear face one, but still, but yeah, that, that folder was really helpful because it also made it easy for them with those screening forms already in there as well. So that was a huge thing. Um, the other piece of that puzzle for COVID was when I had my folders and I had my map and directions everywhere, I would drive to that location I would park in their parking lot and I would call them up while I'm parked in their parking lot because most of them are like, oh, can you stop by? And I said, oh, I'm actually right out front. Can I just drop it off for you? And most said yes. Some of them even stepped outside, you know, socially distanced, but they would even ask questions about, oh, you know, we're so excited. We don't have someone to refer out to for speech therapy. Can I ask you a few questions? Yes, I'd love to answer those. Some of them just said, can you just drop it off on the front table? Sure. But at least you physically got that packet inside a building that someone's going to have to pick up at some point. And some maybe either weren't available or maybe they just didn't exist for some reason anymore because sometimes things don't get updated online. But I think I hit 95% of the ones that were on my list for 
my spreadsheet that I made. So I feel like overall, that was a pretty successful adventure those couple of days that I was doing that. So um, don't be afraid to go out there. It's definitely terrifying the first time you make a phone call, like a cold call to somebody. Um, I actually, I, th- I think I actually typed up a script for my very first one, even though I didn't read it word for word, it was just nice to kind of practicing who I am, you know, what my private practice does. Um, because the more you say it out loud, the more you talk about it, the easier it gets. And it's just more like second nature after a while, because when you first start, you're not even used to saying, you know, that you're a private practice owner and, you know, it's, it's so new. So don't be afraid to kind of script it out, practice, talk about it to like your spouse or your friends or family, and just kind of practice saying it because it won't seem so scary when you're on the phone call with them. So get past that fear because you're going to have some awesome, you know, interactions with people. Yeah. I love everything that you just said. Listeners, like those were some amazing, you know, uh, knowledge bombs that, that Amanda just dropped in terms of like just simple ways to put yourself out there, right? That's one of those things people say all the time. Either I don't know how to put myself out there or I'm nervous about putting myself out there. And I would say that, you know, what Amanda shared is how you can do it in a way that that's like, you know, not pushy, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be pushy, right? And it's helpful, right? It's like, hey, I, I'm a service provider. I don't know if you have someone to refer to speech or not. You know, here are my services. And here's this screening form that's all ready for you, right? You want to make it easy for people to refer to you. And like, I think that was amazing time well spent in developing those relationships and just planting some seeds, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. sure, you got 34, you know, kind of right away from one place. I'm sure there's other places that maybe even now you've heard nothing from, but that doesn't mean that this afternoon or next week, you might hear something from one of those people, right? So that that's how you have to think about marketing as is you know, you hope that it's like a short game, but in lots of ways, it can end up being a long game too. Yep. And I would say the other thing for a really simple marketing thing is just having a simple business card. I think I underestimated the effectiveness or the practicality of having them. Even if you just get some cheap ones, you know, in a bulk pack or a hundred or 50 to start out with, because I carried them in my purse and I carried it in my bags. I had them in my car. I always had some on me because one of my favorite ones was I was picking out my contacts and like, oh, like we see yourself employed now. I said, yeah, you know, I own my own private practice and I did my little quick little feel. You kind of vary it depending on who you're talking to. Um, and she's like, oh my gosh, my, my granddaughter has blah, blah, blah issues. And she's like, do you have a card? I'm like, why? Well, yes, I do. You know, and here it is. I mean, even my own kid's pediatrician was like, oh, yeah, my son, you know, has issues with this. And I'm like, oh, she's like, do you have a card? I'm like, yes, I do. So you truly never know when somebody is going to be so excited that you shared that you have a private practice. And it could just be because I'm wearing my red scrubs that I have for my my own uniform or it's just, you know, it pops up because they, for whatever reason, or you bump into somebody at the gas station, actually that happened too. Um, so you just really never know, you know, who's going to need you at that point in time. So I think business cards are just a really handy way to share because you're also kind of doing, a, I guess, a word of mouth kind of like marketing of yourself. Um, but then you have that physical, tangible reminder of like, oh, yeah, I ran into that that random girl at the gas station and yeah, I have her card, you know. Um, so definitely, I think business cards could even be a nice, simple, easy way to get the word out there, too. 
Absolutely. And this, you're also speaking to the idea of just being prepared, right? Yeah. Because sometimes like you don't always know where your first client is going to come from or your first opportunity. And listeners, I'm guessing that probably at some point someone has asked you, like, do you treat private clients? And if you're not set up and ready to go, you're probably going to say no. And you're probably going to say, you know, refer them to someone else. And it may take a couple of times of people asking and of you saying no to be like, well, shoot, (laughs) those were some opportunities that passed me by. I better make sure I'm ready next time, right? And so we have a lot of students also who join Start Your Private Practice who it's just part of this like momentum thing. It's like they join. And, you know, I also believe that there are like people who are meant to be together, like find each other, right? And we kind of alluded to that at the beginning of the episode. It's like, you never know who you're going to run into the gas state at the gas station or whatever else, right? And so like you want to be prepared. You want to have those ducks in a row. You want to be set up and ready to go either if you get a random opportunity or when you're like, you know what? Nope. I gained some confidence and I'm going to do just what Amanda said. And I'm going to make a little packet and I'm going to do this like daycare circuit thing. And I'm going to get my first referrals that way. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, it's definitely, like I said, get past that fear, get just prepared, you know, either with your materials or with your little script that you're kind of practicing. Um, and it just gets easier. And it almost just happens as a second nature after a while. Like somebody's like, oh, you know, what's going on with you? Oh, well, you know, I happen to get like my first client or I'm on my, you know, I'm just growing my private practice or whatever it might be. So um, yeah, just get out there and do it. Even if it's just starting small with one or two places or with those parents who happen to reach out to you in the past about, do you take private practice? as patients. I love that. So my next question is what kinds of clients are you seeing now mostly? Do you like, have you stayed a generalist or have you like started to specialize at all? Yeah, I've, I've slowly uh, transformed over time. Um, I started out as that generalist with the pediatric population. And I recently in August, I believe, took the um, International Association of Oral Facial Maladies four-day course. So 28 hours of amazing information um, to go into oral facial myofunctional disorders. So just from taking that four-day course, I've learned so much about some of the clients I felt like I've got stuck on in the past. Like, why aren't we making progress? Like, especially those speech sound kids. It's like, oh, like, it's just, why can't we finish up the last couple sounds or the last one sound? Like, why isn't it working doing our traditional speech therapy approach? And so after completing that course, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to work on my certification. So they actually have what's called a COM or a certified oral facial myologist. And actually what's kind of cool for me is that there isn't one within an hour or two of Toledo. So you can go up to Ann Arbor, which is like 45 minutes to an hour or like, you know, an hour to the East or whatnot or to the West, but there's nobody here. And what I found out is even recently with my new marketing you know, focusing on oral facial myofunctional therapy is that people, they know what it is, but like, I'm starting to do a new education of like, Hey, I'm available in the area for these clients. So possibly building that new referral source, because I think that would be a really awesome specialty to go into to find that, that niche, that niche, however people want to say it. Um, just so you can, I can start, um, narrowing down, you know, who my clientele is, And I've actually even made changes to my website to show that reflect, you know, my new knowledge and information, those new services. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been very exciting. I'm just kind of absorbing lots of new information and applying that already to my current clients, because a lot of them I'm like, I bet 
we need to do a, a you know, a, an exam on so-and-so. And my parents are very, you know, like, oh yeah, do whatever, you know, let me know what you find and what we can do to help them because that's, that's why they're there is to help their child. So I've already gotten to get my hands on, you know, my own clients who I've had some background, you know, knowledge on, but to see more of what's going on and how to better serve them is amazing. So I'm just definitely very excited for this next part of my own private practice journey. Well, and I love that too. Like this is something that people do is they can evolve over time, right? There's some people who who start their private practices and they're like, I know exactly what population I want to serve and how I want to help them. There's other people who are like, okay, like I mostly like this thing, but like I'm willing to see some other kinds of people just to like, you know, get some confidence, build your caseload, get some income coming in. And that's generally what I recommend people do. And over time, because you're the boss and you get to make the decisions about who you see, you can either stay general or you can start to specialize. And the interesting thing, two quick things that you said that I thought were really important for people to think about is like sometimes you might be the only provider for a certain kind of a thing, right? And if that's the situation, well, that's a great place to be in, right? But even mm-hmm. if there's like a couple, that still is really a good place to, to be in, right? Because sometimes there are people who are looking for that thing, right? Like parents here, like, oh, I need, my kid needs this, right? Or the, Or sometimes pediatricians get on a kick with a certain kind of therapy or whatever. And so there are people in your area who are probably searching for those things. Now, for something like this, that's, that's a, I don't necessarily know that it's newer, but it's, you know, it's kind of um, not as known as everything else, right? It's like, think yeah. about allopractice. Before the world changed, there were people, a smaller percentage of SLPs were doing teletherapy and people would be like, speech therapy on the internet? Like, how does that work? <laughs> well, So those people had to do some education about, well, how does speech therapy on the internet work? Well, now everybody gets it, right? And so same with like oral facial myology, there are people who don't quite know what it is or how it's helpful or whatever. So you do have to do that leading with education piece. But once you get a couple of, you know, physicians or dentists or, you know, whoever kind of into it, like that can also, and and seeing benefits to their patients that can really help you take off and become known for that in your area, right? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of excited for is that, you know, I can already see with the marketing aspect of things, we kind of go back to that. Like, you know, I was targeting more preschools and daycares and just schools in general, but now like I'm calling oral surgeons and dentist office and, you know, orthodontics. So that's almost doubled or more so what my pool was initially. So definitely not that you have, like you said, you don't have to specialize, but I think it definitely opens up sometimes more of those other professionals to tap into who are like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for someone who does this. So, and I think just feeling fulfilled that I'm providing a really, you know, needed service to all these clients, because sometimes, you know, SLPs in schools are amazing. But sometimes with those restrictions, you just feel so limited, like, you know, you only get to see them for 20 minutes, maybe once a week, like how much of an impact can you make? So I think, you know, with me going into private practice, like I can see somebody, you know, two times a week for a half an hour or an hour, whatever is appropriate for them and get hands on and do exactly what needs to happen and then educate the family too, which I love. I love having the parents have to be there because they're at home, right? They can't just like not be there. So I love too that the educate, I think I just like to educate. My mom was a teacher and I'm like, I'm never going to be a teacher. And yet here I am educating people about so many different things. 
And I really like that. I do like that piece. So yeah, I think you'll be surprised what you might find um, as you go through that journey of, you know, building that private practice or building those clientele. Maybe you find like, oh, I really like working with fluency or I really like working with, you know, dysphagia, whatever it might be. So yeah, again, don't let that fear hold you back from, you know, finding some really new and exciting things. Yeah, I totally agree, obviously. Um, <laughs> so before we wrap up, do you have any like other, you know, um, either lessons that you've learned or tips or advice for people who might be just like you were back then, right? Like a busy life, a lot going on, but also feeling like, oh, like things aren't really going well at work. Like, what do I do? Right. So what advice would you give to people who are kind of in the situation that you were about three years ago? Yeah, I would say that, you know, knowing what all I was going through, like I would say pretty much anyone can get started in the program. I really liked having your program available because I I had no idea where to start, you know. Um, so having those checklists, it was nice to be able just to progress through and know that I was getting everything accomplished. Um, it was nice to see me even physically checking things off and like, oh yeah, like Corey, look, I'm on module two or module three. And like, now I can do this, you know? So even if you do have a busy life, you know, you can find 20 minutes a day, you know, to, to listen to the different, you know, modules. Um, I've even found like listening to your podcast before I, you know, joined the program was great to hear everyone else's stories um, to kind of see that, oh, like I could do this or I could do that, or it could look this way. The thing that you've, you always mentioned, like there's no one way to do a private practice to start it or to have it look a certain way. So, yeah, I think, especially, you know, the fear of the imposter syndrome, like you went to school to get your master's degree or whatever degree you might, you may be a doctor of, you know, SLP. I don't know. So like, you know, so much, you're so well-educated, even if it's your first year out or after your CFY year, you can do it at any time. You don't have to be an expert or have that specialty yet. So yeah, just, if you are ready to you know, take that next step, definitely do it. Um, if you need to make a list of pros and cons or map it out and see like, where can I fit, fit in these, you know, maybe one or two clients do that. It would you know, take five minutes, sit down and just, you know, create it on a piece of paper, see what it looks like, see how it feels, you know, visualize it. Well, yeah, all good advice, right? And listeners, now you can see why Amanda is one of our mentors and that she does the wel- the new welcome calls <laughs> because she's so encouraging and also just, you know, uh, shares, you know, what she did that worked for her and everything like that. Like, it's really important to have mentors to help guide you through, you know, starting a private practice. We don't learn how to do this in grad school. Like, it's not your fault if you don't know how to do this. And so, you know, joining a community and having access to the resources and the mentorship that you need to just start off with as much time as you can devote. It could be there are some people who join and they do the entire program in like two weeks. Right. And they start they hit the ground running. There's other people who might sign up, but like maybe also they're moving or they just had a baby and they just can't devote the time yet, but they have the program for, you know, ready for them, which is why I give people lifetime access is so that people can navigate, you know, life's kind of uh, seasons and do it when they want. Right. So anyway, I hope it was really helpful to hear Amanda's story. Thank you, Amanda, for, for being on the podcast, for being so wonderful and just, you know, sharing your journey with our listeners today. Yeah. And thank you. It was definitely a great chance to share some experiences and that, you know, It's been one of the best 
choices of my life is to start my own private practice. So I definitely, I don't regret it and I'm not looking back. I'm just keep looking forward. I love it. Where can our listeners uh, find out more about you on social media or on the internet or wherever? Sure. Facebook is just um, enhancing communication. Um, I believe Instagram, I've been getting better at posting, is uh, enhancing at enhancing communication. Um, and then my website is enhancingcommunicationtoledo.com. Fantastic. Well, listeners, go connect with Amanda. And thank you again for sharing your story and your journey and being with our podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So don't you just love Amanda? I love how down to earth she is. And even when she had a lot of things standing in her way, she followed her dreams and is building a new life for herself and her family. It doesn't get any better than that. Oh, and didn't you love her marketing tips? I'm telling you, this is one of the reasons why I asked her to join the mentor team for the Start Your Private Practice program. She was always sharing so many great ideas with her fellow students but I thought, you know, she really needs to be a mentor. And it's been a great decision for all involved. So if you want to go through the exact same program that Amanda did and get access to all of the modules and the videos and the checklists and also the Facebook group where Amanda now serves on the mentor team, head on over to independentclinician.com to learn more. We are approaching our goal of helping 1,000 SLPs start their private practices this year. And I want you to be one of them. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to continue to let opportunities pass you by. You don't have to stay stuck in a toxic work environment. And you don't have to go all in. You can do this on the side and see as many or as few clients as you want to. Every private practice starts with one client. Amanda's did, and yours will too. Let us help you get yours. Visit Independent Clinician to learn more and We'll see you next week. Have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some time now. So even being a full-time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.